Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thanks so much for joining us today. Pay disparities. We know they exist. We know that often people are doing the same job within the same company, but pay gaps exist between them, whether that's between women and men, between people of different races or ages or educational backgrounds. And, you know, we know it's not really fair. In some ways, it's completely unfair, but to an extent, we do accept that people are paid different wages, different salaries for different jobs. Because as much as some of this is due to out-and-out discrimination, we also know there's other factors there, perhaps more nuanced things going on, and we can't really fix everything that's not exactly right. Or can we? Well, my guest today is Marie-Rose Rio, and she's from a company called Unido. They're in the tech space, and we know the tech space is an area where there's lots of disparities, lots of differences in how people are compensated. But Unido has gone to great lengths to get rid of pay disparities by taking a lot of really well-thought-out steps. Now, things like improving transparency, uh, things like not allowing workers to bargain for extra money. Now, they are very systematic about this, and they say they have solved what they saw as a real problem. So Maruros has some really strong arguments as to why it was necessary to do this, why it's really working for the company. So it's, it's a great discussion. Please stay with us. Well, is there a fair way to adjust salaries so that there are no disparities by race or age or sex or anything else? Our guest today says there is, and she's put it into practice at her own company. Marie Rosvio is CFO and VP Business Operations at Unito, and she joins us from Montreal to tell us how they've created a fair workplace when it comes to compensation. Hi, Marie Rose. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. Thank you so much for being here today. I've got so many questions about this topic, which is obviously uh, a hot button one. Uh, but you know what? I always like to ask people about their own careers because this is a work and work pro- podcast. How did you end up doing what you're doing? Um, I'm, I mean, I went to school, uh, I went to business school. I chose accounting by a lack of uh, really knowing what to do. I figured accounting might be easy. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought at the time it was not. Um, I didn't find anything that really uh, brought passion in me, so I just stuck with accounting and it didn't matter a minor in management. Um, I found uh, that you know there was a CPA path, so I said, why not? It will up- open more doors. And so I continued with that path. Um, and I varied in positions and I did different industries and different types of businesses. Um, and I found myself in a tech startup many years ago, um, which grew uh, organically through financing round, through M&As of all sorts. And uh, I did many different positions uh, throughout that journey from HR, sales ops, uh, everything in finance, FP&A, um, legal, contractual. And so I found myself towards the end, um, CFO, it was at that time a huge multinational, 80,000 employee type of a company. So that whole journey um, really made me understand, you know, everything that was available out there, the type of jobs, where I was good at, where I could have an impact. And what I was really missing is that startup um, agility, culture, uh, the mindset, everything that you can accomplish through it. So 
this is why I joined UNITO. Um, I wanted to take that journey, everything that I learned and kind of come here at UNITO and apply it here. Well, that's cool. And, you know, you're applying some interesting, I guess, methods when it comes to compensation. I want to talk about that, but let's talk about the fact that there are disparities in pay. I know we can debate what the actual disparities are because I know Payscale says women make 81 cents on the dollar for every man. You know, I think as an economist, I like to adjust some of those numbers and say, you know, full time without breaks, whatever. But there is a disparity for sure. There's a disparity uh, amongst people of different colors, uh, disparities amongst ages, I'm sure, all kinds of things. And you, I guess at the company, decided you're going to make it a mission to be as fair as you possibly can, correct? Absolutely. And I mean, it's it's not just me. It's really the company culture and the yeah. founders started that. And it was at the heart of when they founded the company that they wanted that fairness and that transparency. And that transpires throughout many, many of our processes. Uh, salaries is one of them. And so we fight different fronts of that gender gap. We fight the one which is purely internal to the company. And with that, we've put in place processes which are based on transparency and fairness, data-backed information. You've worked at big companies. I've worked at big companies. Uh, you're supposed to keep it secret what you make. And you know, there's always this drama. If somebody finds out what somebody else makes, it's like that's unfair. And there's, but you're absolutely transparent. Everybody knows what everybody makes. Absolutely. It's a, it's a shared spreadsheet, literally. Um, absolutely. And it's actually a, a, a point, an important point when we go and get candidates, because it's actually very desirable for, for candidates to have that fairness. And they know that that fairness is going to last throughout their journey with Unito. Is it, um, you know, an extreme change from those large companies where everything is secretive? Absolutely. Um, and I think that's why, you know, starting a company like that is, is a journey that was much more simple, simple. It was like that from the bat, from the start and the culture went with it because the salary transparency comes with a number of other elements. It cannot just live on its own because salary transparency, if it's not fair, will create a ton of issues. If you take a company, a large corporation, for example, right now that just turns their salary transparent it will create chaos because it is unfair the way it is done today. Those who can negotiate better, get better salaries, those who, br those who bring up the promotions and that, those level ups, they, they are unfair. And those are only a segment of people who are more comfortable with that. Um, so a, a, a whole segment of people are devalued in that, in that transition. So it has to come from a place of fairness throughout the company from the start. You have to make sure that your, your roles are being paid at the right rate, at the same rate across the board. And so there's a big journey that comes with it. So I agree with you that, you know, it's, it does it work for every company. I want to say yes, but it, it's not a, a simple one change. It's a cultural change. It's a mindset change. Totally. Cool. Well, take us through how you actually set a salary, okay? A position, what, mm -hmm. you have probably software people and admin people. You, know, mm -hmm. you bring somebody in. How do you decide what they get paid? So it's, it's we share uh, the salary matrix for them. Uh, it's very clear. It goes per role and per level of seniority. And so everybody that we hire, we put them through what we call a pilot. So it's, you know, the, the phases before we hire, we test them on certain things, we we have them do a piece of work to for us to understand better their level. And so throughout that hiring process, uh, we let them know exactly what the salary is. We let them know exactly what the process for level ups and promotions are. 
um, and we let them know that this is not a point of negotiation. We have other assets in the companies that we can talk about and you know promote and, and, and let them know about, but the, the salary is not a negotiation point. So it's a bit like a unionized environment or a government kind of environment where there's set salaries per range. Yes, however, I do want to say that the um, the way to attain those promotions or those level ups are very, very different in that the tenure does not matter as much as the level of skill matters. Uh, in that if you have somebody who's probably younger, but super bright, very driven, um, and, and really achieves these levels of skills, they will get that level up. It's not a matter, a, ma- a matter of how many years you've been in that role. Okay. Experience matters, yes, but the level of skills is, is super important. Okay, so you're constantly monitoring that? 100%. We have many tools in the hands of all of the managers uh, from understanding tools that help them understand what employees are um, want to do in their career in general, what they're interested in, what they're not interested in, all the way to being able to map each types of skill where the employee is. And it's it's a two-way discussion. It's the employee rates themselves, the manager as well, and they have the right discussion based on those tools. And then we have tools like the growth plan, which really establish, okay, what specific skill set do does one need to improve to get to the next level up? So suppose you're trying to recruit somebody who's kind of like a superstar from another company that you really Mm -hmm. want in. Do you Mm -hmm. have the ability to give them a much higher salary than somebody else has? If we say no negotiation, we don't negotiate. Again, that fairness element with the transparency, they have to go hands in hands. And so if somebody is a superstar and deserves that because they are that good and they are at that level, we will give them the salary and they will have to show and and prove that that level of seniority day after day. Um, Will we pay over just to get somebody? No, we will not pay over. Okay, so that's interesting. Suppose, Mm -hmm. it's the other way, suppose one of your workers gets an offer from another company and they offer Mm -hmm. them a 20% raise. Will you Mm -hmm. match that? We will not. You won't. And you know, we will not. Um, Absolutely not. Uh, It's not a point of negotiation in any circumstances. What we do do is that salary is one way to motivate people to either level up, change job, uh, or have these discussions, but it's not the only factor. And more and more with the new generations, it is less and less of a factor. We have so many other things that we offer, including the culture, the processes, the the, the way we work, what we work on, uh, the office that we provide, the environment. It's, it's all of these things is what we lean on for these discussions. Salary is one of these, um, not the entire thing. No, I don't disagree, but it's important to people. I clearly uh, allows lifestyle. Every city is becoming more expensive. And it's just an interesting concept to me because in sports, you have some similar systems, but you allow people to be free agents if they're superstars, right? So I think you could argue in a system like this, it serves some people well, but it doesn't serve the superstars as well. What would you say to them? Yeah. We also have the discussion based on the fact that you can always increase your salary if you jump jobs. If you go to a different company, you'll always be, you know, given more money somewhere else. However, will you stagnate at that level of salary over there? Maybe. What we do offer is continuous growth with a clear path 
with a clear cadence, with a streamlined way in that if you're not a negotiator or if if you don't want to think about that, you want to think about something else. We still have all managers in a regular cadence addressing that topic, the promotion, the level of topic and the growth path. Um, and we have a streamlined approach. And so the we also have a salary adjustment based on the benchmark. So yes, you may get higher somewhere else, but here we also offer something that grows continuously effortlessly. Let's talk about the female part of this. The fact that mm-hmm. women, when they come into an occupation, wages tend to go down. We've seen that like historically. At one point, men were mostly secretaries. Women became secretaries. Wages went lower. Uh, you're trying to address that in the company too, correct? Female-dominated yeah. jobs? We are. So in the company with the fairness and with the uh, transparency, I think we fix it inside the company. But that's not, you know, the gender gap is it goes way beyond just one company. So what we decided to do is that we evaluated Again, data backed. We evaluated which of the roles are, are predominantly, you know, female dominated, and we decided to increase the percentile that we offer to those roles. And so we did um, all of the background data information on it. We dug uh, into specifically which roles, uh, specifically which levels, um, exactly how much. Um, and there was not that much information because not many companies do address that. So we are starting in a place where, you know, we're starting with something and we're going to evaluate, reevaluate and grow from there. Uh, but yes, we absolutely decided to take a look at those roles and just bring more attention and value to those roles and increase their pay, period. Interesting. Kind of radical. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Are you finding it hard or easy to get workers? I mean, it depends. The pandemic is a special case, but generally speaking. Uh, it depends on the roles. Um, it's it's becoming harder and harder because there is that movement towards remote, which means for Montreal, because we are cheaper labor, uh, air corps, um, we do have a lot of companies coming to work. And we do see that and we do hear about that. So it is a bit harder in that sense. Um, at the same time, the fact that we decided to keep investing into the environment, the office environment, and that sense of community and our culture, I do think it's a huge asset and that it's going to keep paying off post-pandemic. Um, because being able to work remote is great, but the ability to also work remote and at an office with a great environment, I think is going to have a lot of value. So you have remote work post-pandemic, but you're going to have the office available? I mean, is everyone in the Montreal area is what I'm asking, or would you be looking yes. more? Yeah. Yes. So no, we are keeping it Montreal-based. Um, we value community. We value that sense of belonging. Um, we will move post-pandemic, so we're not there yet in Montreal anyway. So post-pandemic, we will have a uh, guideline of we'd like to have everybody at the office at least a couple of days a week. The rest of the time is a you work where you are most productive. Um, that's going to be the philosophy. Um, but we will have access to this office. Everybody will have access to it, but also the ability to work wherever they are. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned data. I want to come back to that because it's not a casual thing, right? How do you collect mm-hmm. data from other companies, from other industries? I mean, we go to the to the paid sources often, uh, the Radford of this world, the uh, option impact of this world. Uh, we also have database um, purely on Montreal information. 
Um, so we do go get that information in once a year or ad hoc if we see a, a big shift in the market in the meantime. We do we do go and get that information. Um, we compare two, three, sometimes four different uh, data sources uh, to, to make sure that we that, that we use the right data source. Sometimes we do you know an average on on what we need to do, but um, so we go get that information where it's available. Um, and the challenge also being in Montreal is because we have less information, less data. So we do use a lot of American-based information mm-hmm. uh, and translate it into that uh, Canadian kind of rate. Um, so we, we just go get wherever we can find it. In so it's not a casual of, thing, right? It's, it's not. It's not. Absolutely not. It's um, it, it's a lot of work. It's very involved. It's a lot of reviews. It's a lot of uh, comparing, making sure that we have all, everything in place that we are comparing, you know, based on the different data sets, uh, exactly for the same level of roles, so on and so forth. So it's it's a it's a lot of work, but in the end, it's super worth it. How many people do you have employed there? Right now, we are about sixty. No, it's still relatively small, and it's all full time workers. You're not doing gig work or contracts or anything. No, mostly full time workers. We have a few uh, a few um, collaborators mostly on the marketing side, but it's mostly full-time. Okay, so you have this in place. You are trying to create this fair workplace. You have all the data. What's the next project? What would you like to be able to do? <laughs> we're, we're starting to lean into, okay, how do we um, make the best place to work at in a hybrid mode? We've been, pre-pandemic, we were mostly at the office. That sense of community, that sense of belonging, that com- the, the way we communicated uh, was very in office. We shifted to full remote for almost a year and a half now. Uh, and now we need to transition again into a hybrid mode. And so we are looking into perfecting our way of communicating in a hybrid mode of work. We are looking to change the way we socialize because it's no longer going to be everybody by the coffee machine. That is not going back. There's no going back to that. So that we need to integrate that hybrid mode into how we socialize and how we connect. Um, I need to work on how do we uh, take a pulse on people when you're not face-to-face. You only see, you know, the head. You you only speak to them via Zoom or, or some other web form. So how do you get the pulse on everybody in that hybrid mode? So we need to really tackle these topics. Yeah, it was an interesting answer. It was, it was a question I'm curious about because people are taking it very casually, right? It's like, okay, we did this, now we're doing this. And it's not a casual thing any more than the salary setting is. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And 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 I don't want to flow, I wanna go, I don't want to go with the flow because it's it's gonna hurt ourselves. We I, we want to have a strong culture, we want to have intent behind what we do, intent behind what we choose to 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 bring into the culture or not. Um, and and shifting into hybrid is, is new for us, and it's new for so many companies throughout the world. So, uh, how are we going to do that well? I, we're going to tackle it with intent. Awesome. Well, Marie Rose, thank you so much for speaking to me today. My pleasure. Marie Rose Rio is CFO and VP Business Operations at Unito. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about Marie Rose and about Unito, please check out our show notes. You'll find some links there. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at at Relentless Eco. 
Now, if you did enjoy this discussion, please take a moment, leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll really help people to find us and help us to continue these discussions around the future of work. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.